Welcome to another fantastic video series with an absolute data legend, uh, Steve Cannon. Very excited to have you on. Steve has been head of data, uh, model data at AQR, big data, two sigma, reference data, interactive brokers, and uh, Steve had a short career in interface design and was CTO of Oven. Uh, Steve's got a PhD ABD from Tex Austin in was mathematical physics and uh, I've known Steve now for a couple of years and I've been following uh, Steve and his work and I'm very excited to have him on and uh, thank you so much Steve. You're welcome thank you great to be here love you love, you. I love everything you do. Oh, thank you yeah no um, uh, Steve uh, I'm hoping Steve gives a guest lecture to my students soon but uh, today let's jump right into it what excites you the most today in the field of alternative data? Yeah, so I mean, I am, there are a couple of things that are super, super interesting. One is that there are kind of these shops that are popping up every day, figuring out how to put more sensors on things and mm -hmm. figuring out how to measure and report more things in safe ways that support people's privacy. So I guess the number one thing that I'm interested in is just that when I started in alternative data kind of five years ago, it was kind of a new thing and we were kind of going out and trying and prospecting for data that might have already existed. What we have now is people are kind of thinking about how to create, add new data into it looks like my neighbors uh can you hear that that uh blowing I'm, I'm oh no no i don't hear anything no no okay. okay um so what i'm interested what i'm fascinated by is the amount of um focus that people have placed on generating new data sources so i mean that combines with machine learning to kind of create a, an enormous and powerful um, engine for investing, which I think is uh, I think is super exciting. I think there's lots of stuff that we're not even kind of we, we can't even see yet because of what the um, just just we kind of how how new it is and how old investing is, right? Uh, no, totally. I mean, I've written a lot about edge computing, and I think that's going to completely change uh, you know, hedge fund data sources. You know, when we have the power to put you know, millions of little machine learning sensors all over the country, we're gonna have such a greater understanding of you know, society, how it's interfacing with each other, and you know, how quickly the, you know, the interfacial you know, relationships change. You know, how quickly are people going from buying belts at the mall to you know, going to the beach, just understanding the movement of people without even them knowing it, uh, you know, it's a whole level of, I guess, you know, privacy, uh, but I think it's where the future is going. Right, absolutely. Yeah, it's very exciting. I think, yeah, also one of the, one of the interesting things that's happening, so that's kind of the equities front, but, but one of the things that's interesting is happening is on the commodities front as well, where we kind of can get a lot more information and data about crops and fuel and trucks and stuff like that. That's all really cool too. Anyway, yeah, there you go. No, 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 that is actually really cool. No, what, one of the studies we're doing in Rebellion Research is 
uh, trying to use uh, deep learning to understand uh, crop prices going forward. And, you know, we, I have a lot of uh, brilliant commodity guys, including, I'm sure you know, Mark Fisher, the uh, super brilliant oil trader, telling me that, you know, every individual crop is related to the other crops. And so, you know, my system should only have data from, you know, that, you know, specific crop. And so I can't mix sugar, for instance, with cocoa. But at the same time, you know, I have others uh, saying different things, um, you know, nevertheless. Uh, so how about synthetic data? Do you have a view on synthetic data? I had to look that up. I mean, I am, I'm interested in it, but yep. I don't know. But you know, why don't you tell me what your view is, and then I kind of, maybe I can kind of weigh in. Yeah, no, 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 no. I mean, so, you know, synthetic is this, you know, fascinating new uh, area where, you know, with only partial data sets, you know, we can essentially, you know, weave uh, the rest of the data. But so far, it's been very mixed results. And it's, you know, machine learning is a concept that really has to be used in a vacuum for the highest efficiency. I, you know, uh, you know, I, I saw a fantastic joke by one of my smartest Google friends yesterday about how in 1950, uh, you know, they said, um, you know, uh, AI can change the world, change society. And, and then in 2020, oh, AI can do all these things and win and go and help people find out where they want to go, you know, on vacation. But is AI actually smart? No, AI is still dumb as rocks. And so, you know, in many ways, our progress has still been, uh, you know, very limited. And so I think synthetic data is, is uh, unfortunately, um, very limited in scope right now, extremely, extremely, extremely limited in scope. And so I haven't really found great usages of it. And so that actually goes with also AI and interest rates. That's something I explored deeply. I taught a class on that a month ago. And I've just found no one who has found you know, successful usages for AI and interest rate predictions, uh, which is, you know, some people have kind of written some tangential papers, but uh, nothing so specific. So, um, so tell me, what did you learn from working at such amazing firms as Two Sigma and AQR? And Interactive Brokers, by the way, is a fantastic firm. Absolutely my favorite online brokerage. Yeah, they're a great, they're a great firm. We could start there. I mean, everything really for me started Interactive Brokers because uh, of their kind of emotional addiction to engineering, right? And so they don't approach engineering from a, from a rational economic standpoint. They approach it, and this is, I mean, let, let me finish, obviously. It sounds like they're crazy, but they're not. But they, but they don't really approach it in the sense that, okay, we're going to decide whether it makes sense to automate this process. They kind of approach it from an emotional perspective where they're saying, if it can be automated, we will automate it. Yeah. And, uh, and, and they kind of have a trust that anything that can be automated will eventually be worthwhile to have uh, automated, even if kind of it looks like, oh, this is something that'd be just as cheap to hire a bunch of people, low, you know, you know, moderately paid people to do, and it would be faster and cheaper. Um, you know, your, your, your time to achieve, uh, you know, to break even on this is like five, 10 years. It doesn't matter. They will automate it, right? And so, so IB is just, just from that mindset alone, and just from there, everything, everything starts from there. And they're just, they're obsessive about kind of figuring out how to automate stuff. 
and they include in that you know kind of there's a famous story where um they in the very beginning of interactive brokers they kind of took one of these information and stock ordering terminals and cut the wires and then just put like listen to the wires and try to figure out what the protocol was and then built a machine to to enter trade to, to receive uh, bids and orders and then and uh, market data essentially and then send out on the wire using that protocol and uh the uh the guys who owned the terminal came in and and looked at that and said oh you can't do that right so so uh so you're not allowed to go on the wire. So what they did is, I mean, I think this really tells you everything you need to know almost about interactive brokers. Mm -hmm. So they said, okay, all right, well, we'll connect, we'll wire the wires back up, we'll stop doing that. So they built a machine that instead scanned the screen and, and saw all the things that are on the screen, and then they built a machine that sat on top of the keyboard and typed things into the keyboard, right? So their point of view was that like everything about automation uh, there, there may be things that are hard about automation that seem impractical, but automation itself is is such a powerful engine that you just do it. And if you're forced to do it in an awkward way, you do it in an awkward way that you automate, right? And that was kind of to me that was that was uh, that's just kind of something that being.